Welcome back to In Conversation with Cooper Lydon, an hour of topical discussion about things that are being discussed on a wider general level to a large group of people and in high frequency with collaboration of different minds, voices, beliefs, and traditions. The central point of this podcast is to educate the uneducated, to heal the blind, um, and to find a way to form a, uh, a more perfect union. I looked at a car yesterday. I went to go look at a car uh, because my, my family friend was selling a car, and it was a Mini Cooper. Which is which is already a reason I shouldn't have went to look at the car because I I would never purposely buy a Mini Cooper to be funny because my name is Cooper I wouldn't do that would I buy a Mini Cooper because it's cheaper than better than my car yes so that was the plan but I can't even if I did it I can't be driving around. It's too. Also, the problem is why I can't buy a Mini Cooper is because I have road rage, and a Mini Cooper is a silly car. Like, it's a car with a face on it still. Cars don't have faces on it anymore. All cars now, if they have a face, it's like pissed. But a Mini Cooper has like wide, googly eyes and like a silly smile, pretty much. It's way too silly of a car. There's so many circles on it. All cars now are sharp, but the Mini Cooper is still like a bubble. So I get, you know, road rage and shit. I can't be pissed in a Mini Cooper. You know what I mean? Like it's embarrassing. Like if you see a Mini Cooper, a guy in a Mini Cooper mad at you, that's like when a Chihuahua tries to bite your dog where you're just like, are you kidding me? Me and my dog will kill you. We will roast you. We will eat you so easily, it's not even a problem. And that's not the look I want, you know what I mean? I can't be doing that, because it's like... You gotta know your place when you're in a Mini Cooper. And I'm in a Honda Civic, which is also a small car, but it's like a shitty car. Like, it's just, you know, Honda Civics are great. But they are, like, the shitty car. Even the new ones are so nice, but then two years later, they're just a shitty car. But they'll run for 20 more years. But, like, you know, I'm in a car about the size of a Mini Cooper, only a little bit bigger. 2009 Honda Civic. How about that? No center console. I'm already in a small car, but it's different than a Mini Cooper. Because a Mini Cooper is like a small car that you buy because you want a small car. You want a small, silly, fun, fucking British car. Because that's why you buy that. When you buy a Civic, you buy it because you can't buy other cars. A Mini Cooper shows that you had options. Like a new Mini Cooper, you could also get like a BMW, you know? So it shows that you wanted to be silly. So yeah, if you're driving around in a Mini Cooper, people are just like, what? And you're mad. People are like, what is your personality? What are you going for right now? Because you're just like, if Mr. Bean was bipolar, it looks weird. It looks funny. We're laughing at you. People are laughing at you. So you got to be mindful of that.
went over to see the car, and it was just a piece of shit. Because it started off bad, because uh, the guy that, that works for my stepdad, he's a good guy, uh, Mike, he's a nice guy, but he came out and uh, sm- smoking a cig, smoking an American spirit, light blue, my brother in arms, smoking a cig, and he goes, uh, yeah, so I was telling Steve about uh, the, the coolant tank, and I was putting water in it, I heard that, and I was like, well, that's bad, because usually... Uh, you start putting water in a coolant tank after some shit's fucked up and you have to refill it all the time and you don't want to pay for coolant all of the time. That's usually what happens. Water is usually uh, sort of a plan B when it comes to putting things in cars. He goes, I was telling him about the uh, the water and the coolant. I'm going to go get the water. And I was like, all right. It's not good to look at a car where before you being, begin looking at the car... The guy's like, let me go get the water. Even if he said, let me go get the gas. It's just like, why are all of the liquids that need to be in the car not already in the car? This is a bad sign. You don't have a closed unit of a car. You have a you have a permeable membrane of a Mini Cooper on your hands. So he goes and gets the water, comes back, pours in the coolant tank, and then explains to me that he was like, yeah, I filled it up with water. And I went to uh, start it again, and uh, all the all the water was gone. So I did that a few times. The water kept leaving. And then he uh, we got into some real car talk where he's like, you know, the bottom of the tank is a swivel. And I'm like, mm-hmm. He's talking about swivels, O-rings, saying there's a leak in the coolant tank. And I look under the car, and it's dripping. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. And he's like, I'm not sure where the coolant tank is. He's also drunk at this time. So I'm like, the leak's right here. He's like, yeah, I still can't find it. I'm like, all right, well. I don't know how much knowledge of the car is really happening at the moment. Um, So he fills it up. I check around. There's like, you know, when you see a car in pictures, it looks good. And then you're like, oh, there's 150 small dents, some small dents. Fucking to open the trunk, the latch wasn't there. A lot of things that just kind of weren't there anymore. And it's already in a Mini Cooper, so it's a goofy car. So, like, the, the, the way to roll up the window is a little switch. Like, you would switch on a fucking nuclear bomb or a fucking spaceship. You know what I mean? Like, just those those switches, like, those, those nice little metal switches. It's like that. But to roll up a window on the center console. So, there's already all this goofy shit going on to begin with. And then you mix just with it kind of beginning to fall apart, and you just have, like, a clown with epilepsy. You end up with something real goofy that is just fucking stumbling along, and it's it has, like, a four-cylinder BMW engine in it, so it's, like, quite an engine for a small car, so you just have all this power that's just beginning to break down, and then my stepdad shows up, we start test driving it, and it's got a fucked-up wheel... Some shit, like, you know, you let go of the steering wheel and it just goes like, wah, 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 wah. So we're driving it, and uh, I was glad to drive it just with my stepdad, because pretty much once we got in the car, I was like, yeah, I don't want to buy this car. I uh, There's rust on those on those brake discs, whatever the fuck you call them. There's rust on them. Uh, things are not looking good, you know? Um, and pretty much once we get around the block, he's like, yeah, I don't really... Uh, I don't really see why you would buy this either. Your Civic is still fine. This was just maybe a, a less mileage car. It was good. 
it's funny he even gets on the phone with his brother and he's like his brother called him he's like yeah we're checking out a car we're not gonna take it we had gone like 300 feet and he's like yeah this isn't gonna this isn't gonna work out so we bring it back and we tell him like yeah i think we're just we're gonna pass on it um but when we get back mike is outside with his neighbor um and they're they're blasting cigs his neighbor is uh like a probably like a like a six-year-old woman named uh elena who uh who then they're just gabbing they're just doing hardcore cul-de-sac in the valley smoking cigs gabbing we come back she has my stepdad she's like hey do you know this guy and he's like i do know that guy i knew him very well he used to work in a warehouse she goes that's my husband he goes wow you're his husband and then she goes yeah he died five years ago and uh but didn't say it that sad. Said in the way that you can tell she talks about it a lot. And that became very apparent because she was like, wow, yeah, you knew him. And then was just saying, uh, like, yeah, you know, everybody that met him said he was such a such a funny guy. And he's like, yep, yep, he was funny. And then she's like, I just, I just miss him so much. I miss him every day. I was talking to someone yesterday, and we were talking about him, and I just broke down. And she said that. And then she, like, didn't talk for, like, a second after that. And I was like, is she going to break down? Because she's breaking down at a um, failed used car sale in a cul-de-sac. You know what I mean? It's like there's – you got you to gotta hop in therapy. You know what I mean? If, if midday cul-de-sac failed used car deal is where you might start letting it all out, you know, that's not really a good sign. And she's just going on, and, and she was like, she even said at one point, she's like, whenever I uh, meet anybody that, that knew him, I really just, I just glob onto him, you know? And it was like, definitely, Elena, that's what's happening. Because I'll tell you what, if you meet a 56 to 67-year-old lady named Elena, uh, she has a husband, and he is dead, and she misses him so much. And she's going to talk about him. She's going to talk about him, and you won't have a lot to say. But she's going to talk about him. And I was in the weirdest position out of everybody because Mike works for my stepdad, so they know each other. Mike knows Elena, their neighbors. Elena knows a guy who my stepdad knew. Now they're talking about that. And I am just my stepdad's son. She also never said hi to me, which I did not have a problem with because we... I didn't know anything about her her dead husband, so I really I had nothing to give her in the conversation, and uh, I just sat there as the conversation almost ended six times, and then she would go, "Wait, wait, wait, what's what's his name? What's this guy's? I think you might know him. What's his name?" And it would just bring up somebody. The whole conversation was just, "Do you know this guy?" And then my stepdad was like, "Yes, I do. Yes, I do know that guy." And then he would, you know, he's good enough at talking. He was like, yeah, he was, you just say he's funny. Anybody that's dead, you just say he's funny. People like that. Because it's more believable than being like, he was happy. Or like, he was nice to be around. You can go more specific with funny, but funny's easy because it's vague. And, you know, everybody thinks their uh, their dead spouse is funny. Even if they weren't funny. Even if they were a terrible person. You'd be like, they were funny. And they'd be like, yeah, and it's like... One day they came in and yelled at everybody and be like, yeah, they're a firecrack. You know what I mean? Like, you just throw funny out. So he was throwing funny out to all of these fucking names. And I'm just sitting there the whole time, and I'm like, man, I came to check out this car that I don't want. I don't really know anybody here. 
and now we've been talking for 10 minutes in a cul-de-sac, and I haven't said a word. But occasionally, Mike would kind of turn to me and then just begin a conversation about the car and how it was his son's, and kind of just rehash the first conversation we had about the car. It was like... It was like Groundhog's Day, but just for, like, the same conversation within, like, a 30-minute span, and that happening, like, 15 fucking times. And I wanted to leave, but it was also a situation where everybody was going to say goodbye at the same time. Because I didn't have anywhere to go. We met earlier than we first planned, 2.30 instead of 3, so they knew I didn't have shit to do, you know? It's like 2.55, I can't say I have to go anywhere. So I'm just standing there hoping this is going to end. My stepdad hits him with the, all right. Elena brings up another person who's dead. They talk about that. A little later, he goes, all right. But then he fucked up because then he all of a sudden then just asks his his guy, Mike, a question. He was like, you when are you working tomorrow? And I was like, dude, if, you hit, if you're in a conversation you want to get out of and you hit the all right, you literally have to, you physically have to start leaving the conversation. There's, you have to have asked all the questions you want to ask because if they're talk, if you say anything again, a question, they're going to say something else, and then it's going to go back to conversation, and then you got to redo that all right all over again, and you don't want to be the guy that keeps saying all right fifty fucking times, seeming like he's trying to leave. You got to plan it out. All right is like you're on the edge of the plane, about to jump out. You know, you can't be like all right, you're still sitting down, not even near the door, ready to jump. But it's weird. It's weird talking to people that uh, really need to be talked to, you know. Because you almost start to, you just immediately start thinking you're a bad person, you know what I mean? Because it's like this person is just terrible to talk to. And because they're a person, they're a human, and they lost somebody they love, and they don't seem to go out a lot anymore so that's she's saying it herself and anybody ever comes by she's globbing onto him that could be the highlight of her day you feel like a bad person because you're in that conversation you're like this sucks so much i really hate this conversation and i don't hate this person but this conversation sucks so much it's like they're not a mean person at all but i am pissed at talking to this person you know what i mean like so you, you almost start to, then you almost feel like, am I a good person now because I'm having this conversation? Like, is it really nice of me to have this conversation with this person? I guess it is. I guess that's what nice people do all the time, is you just always act. I mean, you listen, you don't got to be fake, but I do think it is genuinely nice when you meet people to just to just put a smile on your face, be, you know, Give a little excitement to meet them, you know what I mean? You don't have to be fake, but I think that is what nice people do. Is like, no matter what conversation they're in, they're still going to try and engage it and make a conversation out of it. And how long you stay in it, that's up to you. That's not good or bad. But, you know, nice people, it's like, yeah, well, whoever I'm talking to, I'm going to try and make the conversation good for them. You know, that means asking a lot of questions, whatever. Good for them, good for me. But then you're just sitting there and you're like, I got to go, though. And then, you ever talk to somebody that it's like, you can tell they really need to talk, so you indulge the conversation, but then eventually you just do have to go, but they never really let you go, and like, when you say bye, it still feels like you're abandoning them. Like, they'll talk to you, like, you barely even talk, they'll talk to you for 10 minutes straight, 
and then you're like, all right, I'm going to head out, and they go, and they say, okay, and they're like, okay, not like bye or whatever, like, there's always like a sign, like, okay, well, I'll see ya, and then they like, even if they don't, they do, they do like a sad kind of like lumber away, you know what I mean, and it's like, I hate, I hate when people do that, where like, they they make you feel like a dick for leaving the conversation, even though you didn't want to be in it the whole time and you stuck around for like 10 minutes. Like, do I want credit? No. But do I want fucking attitude? Not at all. I talked to your dumbass for 10 minutes. You were all pissed or sad about something. You're, and you're pissed and sad because all you care about is yourself. I've done my time. I'm leaving. Okay. You know. Sometimes, sometimes you t- you talk to somebody that kind of sucks, and then when you walk away, they act like you're a fucking movie star going back to your awesome life. You're like, hey, man, I'm not fucking happy with this shit either. I could have had the same conversation you just had, but it's, I'm trying not to because I'm not a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I run into that a lot at uh, at the comedy store. You work at a comedy club, and you do comedy. You just know so many people that are there because there's comedians, like open mic comedians at my level, that hang out there all the time, you know, because people like to hang out there, and that's great. But it does suck because have you ever been on a smoke break at your job, and then you walk outside, and then five fucking people that you see all the time and don't like to see are there? But they're not your coworkers. They're just there. And they're also smoking a cigarette. And they're like, hey, what's up? And then you just fucking ask them what they're up to. And then they say, you know, big things. And then you got to talk about things that aren't big, you know. I remember I fucking... I remember I was talking to this guy. And I, I asked what he'd been up to. And um, there's this thing in... in LA and New York. I don't think it's really invaded other comedy scenes, but there's this thing where people will rent out a room in an office space or like a shitty small mini mall. And it's just a small room and they set up a shitty curtain, maybe a shitty brick wall and like 20 fold up chairs and maybe they build a stage and then they charge people five dollars to do the open mic. This is an op- they only do open mics. This is what this business is. They set up this stage that once you walk in the room, the stage is right in front of you. It's at the other end of the room and the chairs in between. That's all the rooms are. Walk in, you pay them $5. The way to sign up is you had to go online to a website called Slotted. You put down your name where only 10 people are allowed to sign up per hour. So you go to an open mic in an office space or a small storefront at like 5 p.m., you pay $5 to perform in front of 10 other people all doing five minutes. And it's soulless, and it's lifeless, and it's like the most manufactured feeling of comedy in the world. It's like it's weird that this is comedy and this is an open mic, but it feels so much more fake than, you know, like another open mic that's just like at a fucking coffee shop midday and you're bothering people drinking coffee. Like that feels good. Because that's like you're out into the world. I like an open mic that exists in the world. You don't want to go to an open mic that is just literally its own private room. Like, I get it. And I like, you know, 
not being bothered by people that don't want to see an open mic. I get that. But at the same time, it's like, that is too much. I go to another open mic that's in like a party room in a Chinese restaurant, and that's fine. And only the comics go in there. But it's like, it's a space in another space. It's You know what I mean? You just feel like you're in the world. When you go into these office space, pay $5 open mics, you feel like you're just walking into like a fucking igloo cooler for an hour and then you leave and you're like i guess i practiced comedy you know and you're also practicing in front of people that don't really like stand up that much because the only people that go to those are people that are like well it's quick and it's efficient and one guy even said keep the riffraff out so it's like okay so you just want to you want to like truly just be in the womb again like you don't want to go to fucking tribal cafe near downtown la that is just a place you walk in and there's barely any room to walk around and they have this weird wooden structure that covers the kitchen that is then pasted on with laminated menus with very small print and then there's a stage right by the window and just sort of random assorted seating with comics and then some guy who didn't know an open mic was happening and it's shitty and it has its own smell and that's so fun and you don't want to do that because... You don't know who's going to show up, and there's no, you know, whatever. So these places, they exist, these $5 open mics. And what they do is they're usually started by one person who's a piece of shit. And what they do is they get other open mic comics to host those mics for free. But it's not free because they're getting paid in stage time. Open mic stage time should already be free. What they do is they get these guys to show up at, like, 3 p.m. and leave at, like, midnight and host hour-long open mics back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back in this same small office room. Just hours on end for usually no payment. And the only thing that you get is that you're the host, so you go up and you do some time up front, and then you go back and forth and you pull names up. That is all that you get to do and i was at the comedy store and this guy came up who sucks and he started telling me about what he'd been up to and it was just that he had been hosting one of those open mics for free and he was going on and on about it and he was like you know trying to do that but you know not trying to let it take away from you know the other stand-up that i'm doing and you know like, kind of telling her, like, I'll do it, but, like, I'm not your man for it, you know? Like, you need to find, like, I'll do it occasionally. Like, I help her out. And, like, she was just telling me this whole thing, and I just wanted to be like, man, when I asked you what you were up to, you should have said nothing because this isn't something. And it definitely isn't something that you should be telling other people about. Like, it's a good thing, you know what I mean? Like... He's telling me this, and, and, and he's a guy that you have to talk to at the comedy store all the time, and he's, the, he's like the number one annoying guy to talk to at the comedy store. He, uh, he sucks. So we had a meeting, a whole staff meeting, and one part of the meeting, they were talking to the security. They were like, okay, so security, you got to make sure that people aren't getting to the back hangout area at the comedy store because there's a small area between the building and the hill that they call sacred grounds, but you're allowed to go back there if you work there or if you're with a friend of somebody who works there or if you're a famous comic 
or a friend of a famous comic or whoever. If you're if you're somehow part of the establishment, you are allowed to be back there. But they kept telling they were telling the security they were like, "Don't let people who aren't allowed to be back there back there." It keeps happening. And then after the meeting, they went up to one of the security guards and they were like, "Hey, just so you know, that was about Mike. The guy's name isn't Mike, but Mike is our stand-in name today. I also lied about the name of the guy selling the car. Why? I don't know. I don't think that drunk could figure out how to listen to a podcast. Anyway. Yeah, it's like dudes like him, and you just gotta talk to him all of the time. Like, they just show up. And and you're 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 coming out of a fucking showroom where a hundred people came to see a comic who's dumb, so they're all dumb, and not a hundred, three hundred fifty, you know, and a lot of them are fans of one guy, and you can fucking tell. They come in, they're dumb as a bag of bricks, and you show them. A, we're, we're, ah. Our whole job is just to show people where to sit. That's what I do. They check people in. They go, party at 2, 6, and 4. And I go, 2, 6, 4, follow me. And I take them to tables, four tops, and I, and I check them in. And I, and I give them a table. I show them where to sit. I walk into a table. I go, sit right in these two chairs. I put my hands on the chairs. I go, two people here, four people, you get this tabletop. Six people, you get this four tabletop. And then you sit in these two seats next to you. I do all that. You show people where to sit in a way that's first come, first serve, that makes sense, that tries to fill out every four top if it's an incomplete party, and you do your thing. And you do all of that. And the guy's like, what if we sat over there? And they just point to, like, the corner of the room. And you're like, yeah, I mean, if you want to. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't think you're going to have a server for a while because they're not going to be there because that section's not going to be open. And they go, well, that's fine. And then, you know, you walk by and they're in the corner, and then they're like, hey, where's our server? And I'm like, he's not fucking coming. He's not supposed to start working for 10 minutes because we're not supposed to seat this section till fucking the 500 seats over here already fit, you know. She already pissed about that, you know, and then you, you walk outside and you're like, all right, time for a break. And then you just have to be in conversation with a fucking asshole. And like, you know, the way the, the comedy store is, is like there's there's like the building here and then behind it is just this parking lot. It's pretty... I don't even need to do the hands. The point is, there's building a back patio, a small patio wall, and then a parking lot. So I'll go back there to smoke, either on the back patio or in the parking lot, and then all of a sudden I get ambushed. And the problem is, if I was in the parking lot, only people that work there and people that perform there are allowed to be in the parking lot. So if I'm in the parking lot, people can't come up to me. But the parking lot is obviously in direct view of the patio. So... If some motherfucker starts talking to me on the back patio, I can't be like, all right, later, man, and then just walk 10 feet away to the parking lot, which is a place that is still right there he just can't go to. And I'm I'm bad at being a good time when I'm not ready to talk, you know what I mean? A lot of times at the comedy store, I will just stand in the parking lot 20 feet away from the patio to create just a barrier of conversation and I will look at people who I know and I will actively not speak to them people that I don't want to talk to you know and I just like like the shittiest king of all you know just a king Midas but he turns stuff to shit you know it's like 
just looking over the hordes on the back patio and just going, oof, I don't want to talk to them. But then occasionally one guy who sucks enough will come on that back patio and they'll lean over the wall into the parking lot and they'll go, hey, Cooper. Hey, Cooper. And I have bad eyes, so if they're 30 feet away, I go. So then I already look rude. People look at me, they say, hey, and I go, immediately. That's like how I react 90% of the time if I don't have glasses on, which I still convince myself I only need to wear to drive. I need them to be in life. But I look at my phone so much, it, it hurts anyway. So then they're like, hey, Cooper, and I'm like, huh? And then I take out my glasses, I put them on, and I go, oh, like a 23-year-old old man, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, in, like, the beginning of some movie, like, a guy would be walking to school, and then he's passing all the houses, he sees an old man on his porch, and he's like, hey, Mr. Withers, and then fucking old man's like, what? And then he puts on his glasses, and he's like, oh, Jimmy, it's good to see you. And it's like, you know, Mr. Withers could have just said hi the whole time, you know what I mean? He didn't have to do that at all. And that's just me in life. That's how I start conversations with people that suck and um i mean just i don't know it's good to see though because i always feel like an asshole and that people don't like me and i am in the way that i'm i think i can be negative i try and work on it people have told me i'm not i don't believe them but you know i try and not be a bummer in conversation i think sometimes i can be a little low energy you know i don't that but I don't think that I'm an annoyance because an annoyance takes a sort of belief in oneself whether it's from insecurity or not to just sort of lean over a patio at a guy 30 feet away and be like hey and it's like you know I saw you you know I saw you and I just didn't want to do this but now we're doing it I always feel like I, you know, can be an annoyance like that. But then I work at this comedy club with people around me who are somehow more desperate than me. Somehow I'm 23 with a shitty apartment. I pretty much park cars for a living. I make no money. I have little to no career success. And somehow I run into people with less than me. I guess because of the job where I park cars, I also get to go on stage at a very good comedy club. And they just surround me, and, and they they kill me, but in many ways they fuel me because I look at them and I go, you know what? I'm not you. I don't know if I like what I am, but I know I don't like what you are, and I know I'm not you, because this is a weird way to talk, you know? And it's, uh, I don't know, there's something interesting about the comedy store and how there's certain places people who don't work there or are not passed by the club can't go. I think that's a really interesting thing, because there's, like, the parking lot, for liability reasons, you can't just have people not associated with the business walking around an active parking lot. They hurt themselves, then you get in trouble. Parking lot. You got sacred grounds, this back area. You got the kitchen, obviously. You got the weird area between sacred grounds and the kitchen. And obviously offices. Then you got, you know, backstage in the main room. 
and then you got the green room in the belly room. So there's all these little places that, you know, it's not a big place. They're all close to each other. But if you go this 10 feet this or that way, all of a sudden, you know, you're not really allowed to be somewhere. And, you know, you're not going to get fucking tossed out by security. But it, it, it speaks a lot to social dynamics and ways that people um, deal with them and if they care about them. And if they actively try to involve themselves in them and disrupt them, you know, um, like yesterday we were in sacred grounds, me, a couple guys that worked there, other door guys and a paid regular who are the comics that are passed by the club, which means they get paid to go up and do 15 minutes in the big rooms. We're out there, everybody there on paper allowed to be there. And then this one guy who's just tall and dumb, just comes out, and he's like, hey, what's up, guys? And he's, like, saying hi to all of us, and it's just, he's not, he doesn't work for the, he's an open micer, which, so am I. But I'm an open micer with a cute little star on my badge that says I get to stand in the back of a building and feel better about myself. Um, So he's, like, not technically allowed to be back there, but now he's with us kind of forcibly, so it's weird. It's like he is allowed to be back there because he is with us out there, but we did, nobody invited him to be there. But it speaks a lot to the way, you know, people act because it's like a lot of people would be like, oh, well, no, I'm not going to go hang back there because, like, you know, I know they know you're, they kind of say you're not really supposed to and I don't want the club to get mad at me because I want to work at the club and I don't want to be some guy that they keep finding in corners of the club and saying, get out of here because that's not a good look. And then you see somebody that's not technically allowed to be back there come back there and you're like, oh, okay. So you realize that you are casually saying, fuck all of that. I think all of that's stupid. I don't care. And trying to do it joyously, like, hey, how you, hey, we're all hanging out. And it's like a very physical representation of somebody hanging out with a group of people and being like, hey, how you doing? We're all buds. And everybody's like, we're not. We, we're not friends with you. I'm friends with tons of people that if they came back there kind of by themselves, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, whatever, other here people like you. But this guy is like, he's not friends with any of us. He's not he's not hanging with any of us, but he comes out so he can stand back there. And the more I talk about this, the more I feel like an asshole because I keep saying the words allowed back there and not his friends. Um, but, I mean, it is, what the way I am acting, and as I'm trying to not be a dick about it, it's impossible because... Comedy clubs, especially successful ones, are hot girls or just hot fellas. They are they're fast track runners. Everybody wants everybody wants to try and catch up with them, try and hang out with them, try and be in with them, try and be cool, you know. But the clubs themselves are always doing little things to uh Keep them, keep them biting, keep them chomping at the bit. You know what I mean? Any club, everybody wants to perform in front of the booker. How do you perform in front of the booker at the comedy store? You sign up for Potluck, the open mic. Only 16 people get picked each week. 
hundreds of people sign up. So you hope that you get up and that the booker sees you. And so everybody's waiting to get an email that says, hey, you got up this week, you're going to perform at the open mic. And assuming the booker will be there, which they usually always are. They're, they're good bookers. But you know what I mean? It's like this, uh, these, these games, you got to get on this thing and you got to be seen. And then, and once they see you, do you hear anything back? Do you get an email? Does somebody come up and talk to you? Does nothing happen? Even if you did all the right things and they liked you, does anything happen? Sometimes no. Do they know what they're looking at with every single comic? No, sometimes guys that go up there are like kind of beyond hanging out at a club to get in. They should just be given spots there, but they don't know. So it's like everybody just gets dicked around. And if you get chosen, you're it's almost purely luck in a lot of ways. Um, you know, like I got hired and I'm very glad to be hired there and get to perform and people are very nice to me and people say nice things to me about what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, if the pandemic didn't happen, if a bunch of people didn't move to Austin, if the booker didn't change, if I didn't know people there, uh, if they didn't like me, which maybe is somewhat my responsibility, if they, you know, they liked my standup, so I guess I did a little something. But if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be there. You just fall into it, you know? There's so many people that are just trying to force their way into it, and it's like, man, you just gotta, you just gotta be lucky enough to trip, fall into this place, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you, you should just, I don't know, there's just so many people that spend so much of their time literally trying to get to different locations in the club to affirm themselves as being a part of it, and it's like, just go do stand-up. Like, you're supposed to like stand-up. Why are you not going and doing it all the time? Like, it just, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense the way some people um, glob onto a club so much. But it's it's because, like, so many fucking guys on podcasts... Old fucks told these guys to go to clubs and to hang out, which is which is true, but that's too casual. You got to get specific. What they mean is if that club has an open mic, go to that open mic, try and be seen by the booker. And then after that, once that open mic is done, go to another open mic. Don't just hang around that comedy club and drink. And if you want to go there and there's not an open mic, that's fine. Go in there. You're a comic. They'll let you watch the show. Ask if you can watch the show. Actually watch the show. Go outside. If any of your friends work there, say hi. Then get the fuck out. But don't go to a comedy club. And if you're going to watch, I mean, let's keep that to maybe once a week. What are you doing? Come on. You don't need to do that all the time. You don't need, you're not going to fucking learn from the greats. That's just what you're saying to get drunk. You should go to that open mic as much as they have it because you have a reason to be there. And then if you don't have a reason to be there but you want to watch a show, then that's fine. But do it for a little then go to another open mic. What they don't mean is fucking go there seven days a week. Never watch a single show. Never do any of the fucking studying that people talk about. And instead, just sit on the patio and get drunk and fucking bother anyone that works there that comes by that you want to be friends with so you can get into the fucking club. You look like an asshole. And it's so transparent. 
And it's so funny because it, it, it teaches you a lot that like people want to be seen, but they don't realize they've already been seen. You know what I mean? It's like some guy will walk around the comedy club for long enough. And then all of a sudden they just start saying hi to you. Like all of a sudden they just started existing in your mind. And you're like, I know who the fuck you are. You're the guy that I see all the fucking time, just drinking here, doing nothing. You're already a person in my head. Don't worry. You've been observed. You've been seen. You exist. And I don't like you. Sorry. You know? So it's like you have all these people just trying to push it so much. And I guess I'm happy because I hate myself and am too embarrassed to put myself out there to really ever do that. And it hurts me a lot because I could I could be normal. I could make more friends and I could get booked on more shows in a normal way and not be a maniac like these people are if I tried a little more. So I need to work on that. But I am lucky that I'm on this side of the spectrum. It's better to be in a hole and come out of it than to have been outside of the hole fucking screaming like a maniac the whole time letting everybody know what a fucking idiot you are. I'm in the hole. I need to get out. Maybe people want to see my penis, that is my comedy, you know what I mean, um, I don't know why I acted like that phrase was, you know, you're in a hole, the opposite of that is showing your, anyway, it's exhausting, that's all I'll say, it's exhausting, and I, I feel clueless with trying to make stand-up work, I mean, I'm in my room, Staring at my guitars. Podcasting. I don't know what the plan here is. I have. I don't have a good plan. My plan is this works out is the plan. But it's, it is funny that people will just hang outside of a comedy club with no reason to be there day in and day out and be like, this will work out. Eventually the club, who I have given a front row seat to my alcoholism, will eventually say, let's put him on stage. It's like, just because a guy knows you doesn't mean it's good. You should try and get known to them with selective moments of you being good at the thing that they sell. Don't be in a place where you have no business. It seems like that's such a simple concept. Don't walk into a sandwich shop if you want ice cream. What are you doing? You look like an idiot. You know, just go to a bar. You just want to drink. Just go to a bar. And I know that you like doing it at the comedy store because then you get to be around comedians and shit. But guess what? You're drunk and now you're yelling at fucking Bill Burr as he's getting into his car in the parking lot. It's like, what do you, the fuck do you think's going to happen? You realize you're now becoming somebody that the club knows is an asshole. I don't know. I don't know. It couldn't be me. I need to get my fucking teeth fixed. I know I do. I know I do. You can't see it. You can. I just said you can't see it, and as I show my teeth, I'm like, there's no way you can't see it. The fucking bottom is all fucked up. And then this tooth, this, this, my whole jaw is, I think, this side till this tooth is going this way. It's just leaving the face. And then this, this one is entering the face. Or they're both pushing, and this is behind, but... Like the, if you could, like, you know how in football, 
like they show the routes that the wide receivers are running or like when you're playing Madden, they show the play of where they're going to run. Like here's the dot, but here's where he's going to go. I wish you could do that with my teeth. Like here are my teeth. This is going to go here. And then this one is going to go here. And my bottom one, one of them is back. Then two are like front. And then a couple are like this way. So it's like, I don't realize there's like a daily battle being waged in my mouth of just slowly fighting for where they want to go. Why Why don't my teeth all want to go in the same place is my question. That would make shit a lot fucking easier for me. I have to get it done. I know I do. It's just getting worse. If I don't do this, I'm going to have such fucked up teeth as an old man, which sucks because I had braces. And my teeth now are like... Like, if I had my teeth now when I was 12, they'd be like, you need braces. I didn't do any of the work. I put on the retainer at night for, like, a couple weeks, and I was like, this shit hurts, and then I stopped. And now I just don't go back, but I haven't gone back to my dentist in a while. Actually, I canceled my last appointment day of, just said, fuck it. Last time I was there, it got weird. Because I go in, and my dentist has kind of an attitude. He's got a bad attitude. You know what it is? My dentist doesn't have a bad attitude. It's that he doesn't hide his emotions and his feelings, which I didn't realize was really crazy for a, a doctor not to do. Anybody dealing with your body. Because, like, I would, you know, i go in for a checkup, and then he'd look, and then, you know, he wouldn't like what he saw, which I expected. But instead of being like, okay, uh, yeah, so it looks like you got a cavity back here, and just like brass tacks with me. No, he just goes, uh, jeez, uh, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's not good. That back molar is uh, not even like saying, he's not even using adjectives. He's just mentioning one of my teeth and just being like, uh, yeah, like a guy that like can't bring himself to tell his friend their other friend died. Like he... His friend's like, no, you know, like this, that's every fucking dentist visit with this guy. It's very, which I get because it must suck as a dentist to do all this work on people's mouths, like all this technical fine tooth work. And then, you know, then they come back fucking next month and everything you did was just ruined by just fucking not brushing their teeth, smoking, just eating shitty foods that fuck up your teeth and biting weird, you know, whatever. It's like you do all this shit, then somebody comes back, and you're like, man, you fucked up all this work I did. And all this work is literally in your body. It's you. It's for you. Only you. You fucked it up. So I come in, and he's always pretty unhappy, which um, I think is a big reason why people with shitty teeth like me don't go to the dentist because we're pieces of shit that don't take care of our teeth. So we go, the dentist gets mad. We leave, don't care of our teeth. Don't take care of our teeth. Come back. Dentist gets mad again. It's always bad times there. They're never like, hey, your fucking shit's great. Which, of course, I don't. Because I just, I can't expect to just fucking keep smoking, not brushing my teeth consistently enough, and eating like shit, then going back, and he's going to be like, hey, man, good news. Everything really turned around. Like, it's just going to get worse every time. So I go in, and he's pissed. And uh, he gets frustrated. He gets frustrated quick. And, and I don't know why, but he rushes himself. He rushes himself. And I don't know why. Yeah, like, I don't... I, I know he has other clients, but he's got to book out, like, 30 more minutes. He needs, like... Th- he is always, like, shot clock finishing with my mouth. And I really don't like it. 
his you can feel it in his hands. He's rushing. He's always ru- he's rushing with his hands. One time he had a metal piece like a like a piece of metal that was like, you know, about that thick and it was that long and I think he was using it to attach something. Point is metal dropped to the back of my fucking throat. And I'm like, Ugh. and then he's like, don't swallow. And I couldn't, I, when he said don't swallow, I almost swallowed because I immediately want to go, yeah, fucking no shit. But I couldn't because I would have swallowed and died this piece of, died by this piece of metal that he fucking threw in my mouth. And they freak out, took him out a little too long to get it out. It's just at the back of my mouth, you know, I'm on the table. And I, you know, I want to be like, hey man, maybe just slow down a little. You know what I mean? You're sculpting right now. Like, you ever seen somebody rush a sculpture? You know what it would look like? My teeth. Chill, would you? Where do you have to be? The other people can fucking wait if you fucked up your scheduling. I can't have you losing your shit when you have knives in my mouth. So he gets frustrated. He's always rushing. He always needs something now, which means he's always he's always uh, a little uh, a little a little rough with his assistants. He's always a little brief, a little rude frustrated with them and they're always just I've never seen the same person more than two visits but it's always a young woman um, who's training to be a dentist I guess or a dental hygienist I don't know but she's there and she's uh, scared because he's mean and uh, that happened last time and I was leaving and I was like I want to say something and I wasn't saying it to like even defend that I wasn't trying to save the day there. I know these 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 women they're choosing to work there, you know. But but I did I was like, hey, I really had to compliment sandwich him. You know what I mean? Compliment, insult, comp I really had to compliment sandwich him. So I started I was like, hey, you know, I just want to say I think you guys do really good work and uh, I re- I really like coming here. And, uh, you know, I think you're a great job. I don't want to go to another dentist. Uh, But, you know, sometimes, like, when you're in, I might have even said the heat of the moment. I was like, when, you know, you're working on my mouth and it gets a little busy, sometimes you'll get a little, like, frustrated with your your assistants. You kind of raise your voice at them. And this is in the lobby. So this isn't, he's, I'm near the door of the lobby. He's, like, 10 feet away, kind of behind the lobby desk. His receptionist is there. And his assistant is kind of there walking around. And I'm telling him this. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you get a little frustrated and you kind of raise your voice and like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you're a bad guy or anything. I just, sometimes me as, as like the customer, like it's a little uncomfortable. I just told him, I was like, it's just a little uncomfortable. I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go on Twitter and fucking be like, hey, firebomb this toxic abuser's office. But I was like, you know, just so you know, cause I was trying to hit him on the business edge. I was like. Not like, oh, be a, I'm not hitting you with morals. I'm just being like, hey, like workplace behavior, like customer service, like what I'm seeing is bothersome. And it's weird to see a guy kind of pissed at somebody and then have that guy put metal stuff in my mouth and then also have the person who just got, you know, kind of shit on also work on my mouth. Like neither, you're pissed, she's scared. This isn't, this is not surgery attitude. You know what I mean? We need, Calm collective cooperation here. It's just my teeth. I'm not fucking Caesar here. You know, we're fine. Everybody can fucking chill out. I, I told him that, and I just, it wasn't, I don't know. I think I think I'm a good person, and then 
I what happened was I thought about doing it, and then I was like, I don't think I'm gonna do it. And then I was like, God, now I feel like a piece of shit if I don't do it. Now I feel like a pussy or something if I don't. Say, I said I was gonna say something. I should go say something. So I said that, and uh, he was cool. He's like, and he said the thing that you would like to hear, which I, whether or not he meant it, it's the good response to this. He goes, Oh well, you know, okay, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. That will make me better. I appreciate. You know, he was doing that. He's like, so thank you for telling me because I want to not be, you know, uncomfortable for my patients or anything. And I go, yeah, and I know that. That's why I told you I wouldn't have told you if you didn't. That's always good. You give them credit. You go, I wouldn't tell you you're a fucking asshole if I didn't think you were at least not enough of an asshole to change. Good compliment sandwich right there. Um, I haven't been back since, to be honest. Which is not a good look for what I said to be. I it would have been better to go back and be normal, but I feel like me because Ebert, yeah, obviously he's like, oh, the guy who said that shit skipped. They know me. Now it seems like that whole thing was kind of a breakup, which I honestly at this point I might like it to be because listen, I, it's not like I'm blown away by the dentist work either. I was just saying that. I was just buttering him up. This this doesn't feel great in this mouth. Am I doing the work to make it better? No, but I don't think I'm going to go. I don't think I'm going to go back. It's been a while. I want to find a, I want to find a new, I want to find a soft spoken dentist. Somebody who's speaking a lot and whisper, you know, don't you like a dentist that like when they talk to their dental hygienist or whoever's helping them out with the stuff is that, by the way, I have teeth problems that there's always two people in the room. There's never just one. Let's be very clear. There's always two people, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you want somebody that, um, when they are talking to their dental hygienist to ask them to hand them a drill or something, they're like, can you, can you hand me the drill? Or, Marvin, can you, can you hand me the drill? Can you hand me the drill, Mark? Thank you. Appreciate it. Maybe not appreciate it, but thank you. You know, business. I, uh, they're saying it almost like you're not supposed to hear. You know, like, it's not for you. Like, we're doing work respectfully in your mouth. We're keeping it business over here you know what I mean when I'm at this guy's fucking office it seems like it seems like we're in like world war one and like he's a medic but he's also just a soldier and then the guy helping him is also just a soldier and I got shot because I'm a soldier so it's like even though he is fixing me he'll still tell me like hold the tourniquet you know what I mean you ever been asked to hold something in your mouth at the dentist doesn't that kind of feel odd I'm not saying, like, is this what I'm paying for? But I'm saying, like, isn't it just weird where you're, like, you're sitting there and you're, like, holding, like, something connecting your tooth and you're just, like, am I part of this now? Like, did you put me in a position where I could fuck something up, you know? Wait till it dries. You're, like, why am I holding it? There's no way I'm getting a good mold with my own mouth, you know? That's what it feels. It's hectic there. You know what I mean? It feels like you are involved with everything, and I don't like that. It's like, dude, I would prefer if you knocked me out, but apparently you can't just do that anytime you go to the dentist. So I am going to try and not mentally be a part of this. I had a good time at the dentist once. I don't know how I did it, but I did start falling asleep. Felt so. I felt like the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama, I felt so fucking zen. I was like, these, these are all just rumbles in my mouth. These are all just rumbles. It doesn't even matter right now. And I really was able to fall asleep. And then he was like, hey, 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 you got to wake up. 
so my mouth was closing, I guess. And I was like, dude, come on. Like, move my mouth however you want. Just don't tell me to wake up. Like, just prop me open. Whatever, man. Like, you get in there. It's a mouth. You're fine. You know how you open a mouth? You just fucking go like, you just put your finger. It, it'll stay open. What are you doing? He's, oh, and he says open so much more than I have heard any other dentist say it. I, I will be in so much pain trying to open my mouth for as wide as this guy needs his fat fucking hands to get in. It's ridiculous the the size of my mouth that I have to make. It's ridiculous. Okay, well, now we're starting to sound a little uh, PG-13. That's a little much for me. All right, we did about 58 minutes. Uh We'll call it. Thank you so much for coming. I love you.